And now for your listening pleasure, here's Polizzi and Rose, covering the week of media, marketing, and digital content news. This old marketing. Take it away, boys. Well, hello, my friends. Welcome to This Old Marketing. I'm on the road and it's proudly brought to you by the HubSpot Podcast Network, the audio destination for business professionals. See, I'm on the road and I can't even put my words together. Anyway, I'm Robert Rose and welcome to episode number 402 for Friday, November 17th, 2023. And with me, as always, my pal, my colleague and a guy, well, a guy who has his own two-step plan to fund the government, Mr. Joe Polizzi. <laughs> it's so weird uh, seeing you in a little yeah. room. You don't have a suite like you normally do. Like I know oh, when you well, travel, that's very funny. I mean, for you, you point out, yeah, you, you, hey, you look at. I know you. You, you're very. You know, you, you're not always highbrow with everything, but you like your rooms. I and do, now, and you just obviously you're. I can tell you're in Chicago. I can tell by the sirens. You can already hear the <laughs> sirens, which is already great. Yes, you can. This is real, folks. This is not AI. This is not any kind of fake thing. This is real. I am, I am actually in a hotel room, but I did bring uh, a bit of a setup. So hopefully I, I look nice for my, you look fantastic. I, I like the, I like the orange glow. Yeah. It's, it's really, it's working. Yeah, it's good. But yeah, it's, like it's a been a long time since you've been traveling and had to, it had to truly, do remote, remote things. So and truly, it's I haven't fun. done a remote show since I think, spring i want to say sometime in march or april i did i did one from a hotel room or a conference or something because most um, of the, most of the time what we do is we'll just schedule it earlier in the week if you or i right. are going to be out That's it's right. just easier to do that because we've taken all the stuff and you totally. never know about the wi-fi i mean right now yeah. you've got to i mean you're fine but in two seconds you no, could don't be- jinx it don't don't jinx it with anything that <laughs> This is like we're sitting on pins and needles here with Hilton Honors connection. So, oh, I hey, well, I don't want to mess anything up. Hilton Honor, that's a good connection. It's a good, it's a good connection. It's not like your mint. This episode brought to you by Hilton. <laughs> <laughs> Whatever. So, hey, congratulations! Your your Cowboys had a very strong week. Well, we both so. of our teams had very strong weeks. Yes, yours from a comp. Yours in the sort of you know heart attack kids comeback over a very strong competitor. Uh, mine a demolishing of a very weak competitor. So yeah. So yeah. So for those people that weren't paying Don't attention care. this weekend, yeah, <laughs> the the Cleveland Browns went down fourteen to nothing five minutes into the game. Yeah. And so what I really think that Deshaun Watson, our quarterback, should do is is not play the first two series. Mm. Just don't play and come because <laughs> he had a great second half, fourteen for fourteen, excellent, was wonderful, but not so good. He's had two two first passes. Two first passes of the year. I don't think it's ever been done in the NFL. Have gone pick six once against the Steelers and once against the Ravens. That's very yeah. hard to do. Well, not it just is Deshaun Watson. It is Deshaun Watson, and I, I, I warned you. I warned uh, you. You know, he, he especially is. when when Josh Dobbs, who was our backup for a brief period of time, oh is doing so God, well at Minnesota. That kid is uh, that story. I, I it might be my favorite story from the season this year. I mean, he just comes in, doesn't even know the playbook. Comes in for the Minnesota Vikings. They trade for him, right? Yeah. They, I mean, they before the trading deadline. That's right. And he's almost perfect from a QBR standpoint. And he is literally the smartest person in the NFL. He's, yes, he's he's smarter than Miles Garrett. I mean, that's he, it's incredible. He's he, it's incredible what he was able to do. I mean, he didn't even know. 
all the names of the players on his team. I mean, it's crazy. He was literally there one day. He had gotten there one day. They went to do the game. He wasn't going to play, of course. And then their backup quarterback got hurt, and he came in and basically won. And then this last week, he won again. I mean, he's just – he's – uh, it's 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 quite it's quite amazing this story there. Yeah, it could it could it. No, I don't want to jinx it, but I'm going to put it out there because <clears> it <throat> needs to be put out into the world. It's a possibility that that our two teams could meet in the playoffs, and by playoffs I mean the big Super Bowl. Shoot. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> the big Super Bowl. Yeah, <laughs> look yeah. at I, mean, I just want to make the playoffs. I, yeah. That's all. Like I'm, that's, our, you your know, your goals are much first. higher. You've been there relatively recently. We, we, it's well, been a long time yeah. for us. We just, like yeah, to we're one and done healthy. very many times. It's that's the, that's the, uh, that's the trope about the Cowboys is that's one and done for always. So, so, you know, but it's good. It's good for nine games in. We're six and three. We, we play the Steelers yeah. this weekend. Uh, life is good right now. I'm sure, you know, whatever happens, happens. It's because uh, I predicted, I think I predicted five and no, six and nine. And you know, you predicted, you predicted six and nine. Oh, for uh, the rest of last this, whatever, yeah, whatever yeah. it was, whatever yeah. it was, it wasn't good. So yeah, we'll we'll, we'll yeah, see. No, we'll you, see where that goes. We're there. Yeah. yeah. So anything else going on in in your? Because I haven't talked talked to you for because we did the special episode. It's been it's been a little while since we did our little special episode of Blossom. Um, <laughs> I, uh, you know, I, other than getting ready for this trip, you know, this trip is a bit of a squeeze for me because I mean, which is a good thing because I'm doing fitting in two client engagements into one week so it's a bit of a planes trains and automobiles kind of trip but um other than that yeah it's been it's it's been a good two weeks for the sure ready for I'll thanksgiving s- ready for thanksgiving that's, that's right the one thing i will say because i'm going to see it this week i'm going to see marvels and oh, it should be noted so i hear it fine. should be no- fine yeah well i'm i, I the I saw a review that said if you saw the first 32 Marvel Universe <laughs> movies, you'll know exactly how this one ends. I thought that was so funny. That was in the New York Times. That's a good line. And uh now it was predicted to be the lowest opening ever at 75 million and actually did 47 million, which yeah. is which is tragically low on a 250 million dollar budget. Yeah. But I wanted to ask you, because you're so tapped into Hollywood here. Um they they didn't get because of the writer strike, which I know we're going to talk about in a little bit. They no. weren't of they weren't able to promote it. Do you think that the promotion had something to do with it, or do you think that this thing would have been a flop regardless? How, well, it would have been a flop regardless, but it would not have been as big a flop. Yeah, it yeah. would have. It would have. You know, I mean, the, the, there is Marvel fatigue right now. There's no doubt about it. There's Marvel fatigue, and there's and the uh, and they have not done themselves any favors by putting out mediocre product. Yeah. Um, so there's that, which would have been challenging in any situation, but then the, you know, the, the real challenge was, uh, and by the way, they're not the only one. I mean, there's so many shows that are on right now that people just don't even know that they're out there, that, that, you know, that they're just, because you're you know, talking about the shows on Disney, on Disney yeah, plus. For, well, Disney and, 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 uh, you know, Disney, Netflix, uh, Max, you know, I'll give you an example. Uh, Morning Show, right? Which is a fantastic show. Morning Show is on uh, is on Apple TV, and the new season came out. Uh, I want to say three or four weeks ago. Okay, but they couldn't promote it at all, and nobody even realizes that it's out. I mean, it's just it, and it's I didn't know because it was of it. 
Yeah, I had no idea. Yeah, so there's all these shows that came out on streaming that nobody and because there's nobody chatting them up. They're, you know, they're not hitting the chat shows and they're not hitting the, you know, they're not they're not promoting them. And that'll change now, obviously, that they've they've settled the strike. But yeah, it's it's uh, we're gonna feel the effects of this for some time. And like I, I, we talked about on this show, we'll really feel the effects of this come February, March next year when all of those shows that would have normally come out then are like, yeah, we're still, we're still working and maybe we'll get it done for some, you know, summer, maybe for fall of 24. And then we're going to have a big glut in fall of 24. It's, yeah. It's crazy even to see, but it's interesting that I don't know if this is Marvel's fault, but I saw a chart that said that action movies are down significantly and comedies are up significantly. Yeah. I don't want to, I wonder if that's just the, the state of where we are right now in the United States where, we just just want a little levity. Just a yeah. little levity. We need more Adam yeah. Sandler movies. That's what, yeah. That's what nobody ever said. But I, of course, I like Adam <laughs> I more, Sandler. I need so. more. I need more I need Adam Sandler mystery three. Yeah. I need murder. I need Billy Madison two, <laughs> which is which actually they should do. Yes. Uh, which would be great. But they would. It would should be. It should be Adam <laughs> Sandler's kid. Same thing. Same exact. Same exact plot. Like the whole exact thing, but just Adam Sandler's the dad. I, That's, I, I couldn't even tell you what the plot of an Adam Sandler movie. I've never, I've never. Here's, have you here's, seen, here's, seen here's Happy Gilmore? I've never seen Happy Gilmore. I've never seen <gasps> oh Happy my Madison. God. I've never seen whatever the Happy series are. I, I've never seen any. I have never seen an Adam Sandler film. Yeah, believe it. That explains a lot. How you are? I haven't the seen way that. You the are. one where he's like a, he's like a dad with like the the one that's like sort of a boondoggle with him and Chris Rock and. The grown grown ups, the grown ups, or whatever, where they just go yeah. off and you know film a film a stupid movie in a beautiful location somewhere. You, yeah, I haven't seen I, any of them. I've never okay. seen an Adam Sandler movie. Yeah, it's funny because I'm I wanna I wanna. How about uh, uh, Di- uh, Gems with that one about the, the no movie. that one I did want to see. I have not seen it yet, but that's I a did thriller. That's that's yeah, yeah, brutal. Yeah. That's a not a that is not a comedy. Not a comedy. Um, no, it's not an Adam Sandler film I, per se. I, I would yeah. I it you know you might want to watch. Uh, Happy Gilmore. I mean, Bob Barker's in it. I don't know. Yeah, I know. I know. I just, the whole, you know, that stuff just, I mean, (laughs) I never, it never, it never appealed to me. That I just never, never did. So, yeah. Uh, He, he makes so much money. Oh my he God. has it's the well, deal it's that he has yeah. with Netflix is ridiculous. He ha- yeah. he did some whatever twenty picture deal and and uh, the mystery one that he did with Jennifer Aniston one and two like they were sure. total hits. And and by the way, I, I'll you know w- w- he's a genius in the sense that look at all of his movies and where they're shot. You know, it's like, oh, we're in Barbados or Hawaii or, you know, the the, the beautiful, you know, Fiji or, you know, they're, they're always in or a beautiful mountain cabin up in the Rockies. You know, I mean, they're always in okay. gorgeous vacation locations wherever wherever he is because that's because I mean, he's, he's smart. OK, so yeah. before we go on, we're going to go on yeah. with the show, yeah, but yeah, I have yeah, a request for the audience. Oh, please, okay. please send Robert. I guess you're you're not on X. So it's got to be on threads or whatever, or maybe LinkedIn. Uh recommend your favorite Adam Sandler movie threads to Robert. Yeah, for sure. And, and right. And I'll make my record. So go ahead and, and and send it to Robert and then he can make his choice. He's going to watch one Adam Sandler movie based on your recommendation. My recommendation is you don't mess with the Zohan. And I guarantee you, you will like (laughs) parts of it. All right. 
<laughs> well, I'll tell you what, whichever one gets the most recommendations, I will watch prior to the end of the year and then I will report back to this. Audience. Excellent. Wonderful. Yeah. I want to see this. We'll, we'll watch right. it. We'll watch it. Uh, we'll do a critique of it on this old marketing <laughs> and we'll watch it live. Can we do that? Is that a copyright that's, issue? That's Maybe a, not that's, anymore. That's a good show. That'll be a good show. <laughs> Oh, this is be oh, this is gonna be great. I can't wait. All right. All right. Let's get to our show here. We've got a good one. Uh the news is coming in fast and furious right now. So uh we've got a lot to cover. Um, so the actor strike is over. Everybody cheered. Um, so what does it mean? (laughs) What what happened? Um, once again, there's like the 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 simplicity of breaking this down is just not there. So Joe and I are gonna talk a little bit about it now that it's now ratified it still has to go to the membership for a vote but that's kind of a rubber stamp at this point it's gonna it's gonna be ratified so the strike is over and let's talk about it um then we'll talk about how OpenAI has announced custom gpts basically build your own gpt uh i've built one and can talk a little bit about it and my my experience in doing that and we can talk a little bit about what this might mean for marketing or for content creators all over the world and then we'll talk about meta And Meta has now come out with AI policies with regards to political advertising, saying basically they have to disclose their use of AI. And we'll talk about what a ridiculous piece of nonsense that is. Um, And then we'll pair that with new legislation that may be coming up that basically talks about deep fakes and how AI uh, is getting misused by, you know, with all, all sorts of famous cases of this, Tom Hanks and others who have been sort of deep faked and what what that might mean. And then if we get time, uh, and we will get time, we'll talk about YouTube and how everybody's got a thing right now about deleting ad blockers and YouTube is cracking down, crack-a-lacking down on the uh, ad blockers. And then Joe's got some commentary about ESPN and gambling. I'm going to pose a guess and say he's against it. (laughs) And then (laughs) he's got some snappy thoughts on Snap. Uh, And I have uh, some commentary about... uh, a guy that I've never met, but I feel like I know really well, Mark Ritson. Uh, Mark Ritson wrote a, a sort of an editorial about how American marketers need to get their you-know-what together. Uh, and I have some thoughts on it. So, uh, And I can't wait to get to that. And I would say that I think of any writer on the face of the you've had more of your rants and raves on Mark Ritson. Probably. Than, any, yeah. than anyone. I swear, like every hundred episodes. There's yeah, Mark Ritson, and here That's, it is. It's time. There it is. Yeah, it's it's it it, it was due. Um, it was, it was my, only a matter of time. My commentary may surprise you. A okay, little bit, though, I'm with, I'm, the, I'm waiting. Time, I'm waiting for that. The, all right, Mr. Ritson. Um, all right. Well, let's get to our first story, shall we? And yay, the actor strike is over, and whew, everybody breathed a sigh of relief. Thank goodness. Um, oh my night. It was it was keeping everybody up at night and all of that. Uh, the article that we'll link to in the show notes, of course, is from Entertainment Weekly, although... Of course. (laughs) Yeah, everybody everybody and their dog is reporting on it. Um, So you can find it everywhere. But basically, just to be able to really cover the news, the actor strike is finally over. Here's what's in the new SAG-AFTRA contract. The deal with the Alliance of Motion Picture and Television Producers says the article secured big wins for actors, including higher wages, streaming bonuses, and protections of artificial 
intelligence. After 118 days, the Hollywood actor strike has officially concluded. And now we have a better idea of what the members of SAG-AFTRA have won in the union's new minimum contract agreement. The SAG-AFTRA National Board voted Friday to approve the contract with an 86% approval vote. And up next, the contract will go to membership for ratification. Speaking at a press conference on Friday, union president Fran Drescher, and no, I will not do a Fran Drescher impression, and national executive director. I can't. Nope, nope, nope. Uh, not not, not going to go there, not going to do that, um, is basically said they revealed some details about the new contract, which basically in their press conference, they said, we're awesome. We're amazing. Aren't we the best? Aren't we the awesome? Blah, blah, blah. And everybody went home. So what do you think? So I, I've spent some time. I actually read the agreement and I can break it down. Um, I can do that first if you like. If, or unless Yeah, you why don't you, why don't you go ahead and do that? Because I, I did not go as, as deep into it as you did. So, so, so what do you got? Yeah. So the, so basically very much like I did with the actors or excuse me, the writers strike, I, I went through the actual agreement and then went back and looked at what they asked for versus what they got. Um, and I'll just cover three really quickly here. And then the one we can really talk about is the AI one because it's the biggest um, and most interesting. Um, and I think probably what was sort of at the source of the sticking, I'm going to guess that was what that was at the source of the sticking point, but it might've been the, the streaming yeah. revenue share as well. So anyway, so money, just very much like the writers, they compromised, they wanted, uh, basically 19% over three years, 11%, 4% and four year, one year, two year, three, uh, what they got was seven, four and three and a half. So they got 14 and a half percent. They agreed to that. Um, basically, interestingly, I thought it was funny actually that the, in July, the studios offered five, five and 3.5. So they basically, since July, they were able to get it up to seven instead of five in the first year. So bully for them. Amazing. That's, yeah. that, that's great. Then with AI, the most interesting thing, well, maybe here, let me cover the, the let me cover the, the, the revenue sharing first, because that's probably the other big sticking point, which is. They wanted very much like the writers to get the big uh, revenue share with streaming and the data. And of course, as we predicted on this show, as I've been saying all along, that's the one bridge that the producers are just not, neither the streaming networks or the producers, they're not going to go there. They're just not going to go there. And they didn't. Um, they basically got a very similar kind of bonus that the writers got, uh, which basically goes up. Eh, it's around, you know, uh, call it. 30% or something like that from like 8,500 to nine grand for a half hour episode. And, you know, basically up to 12 K for an hour episode. And what they did, which was the most interesting part is that 75% of that increase in their bonus on streaming. And by the way, this is only if the thing goes viral, like if a show goes completely viral and, you know, and gets, you know, the, whatever it is, 25% of the views over 90 days or something, some Jeez, crazy yeah. big number. Um, they're, they're getting 75% of that's going to go to the performers of that show. And then 25% of that money is going to the union into a new fund that the union is going to then theoretically spread the wealth. They're going to basically spread the wealth across all of the actors uh, that do streaming and stuff like that. But that sounds like, not to cut you off here, but that sounds like something that might never happen. Uh, you know, if he, here's what I would say is uh, this, if I was a, a union member, I'd be annoyed at that because, uh, Basically, that's the you. I mean, I know that's the the union's stance on that is, is that they're going to be like, well, we're trying to share the wealth with the entire union base, but basically, that's the union. I think kind of enriching themselves a little bit. You know that the because how often will that money be paid out? You know how to whom? What are the requirements going to be? There's a lot to 
figure out there. And so it, it's it's a little funky in my view, but that's and just it's my probably view. it probably happened what three times in the last three years. What the the twenty five percent over four weeks? That's a really hard number to hit. Yeah. So I think that's I, and, and I'm getting that number ridiculous. wrong. It's just basically it needs to go viral. Okay. It needs to be like you know it literally needs to be like uh, you know the. Uh, the ah, the big Korean show um, that was so huge. I mean, it needs to be that that level of sure. you know, like a huge hit, like just undeniably, it's a huge hit. Um, and then lastly, and the AI stuff. This is the most interesting part of this, and they break it down, and they actually break down three levels of performers here. So they one they call them employed digital replicas. So that's where like Harrison Ford does, you know, like a, uh, a deep fake of him himself younger. His, He's his, physically there. His digital twin. Correct. Yeah. But they, but they physically, and they put CGI and AI over it to basically get him to look, you know, 30 years younger or whatever. Yeah. Then there's the independent replica, which is basically, you know, like Mark Hamill is not in the new Star Wars series, but they AI use AI to put him in, right. To, to put him in some new series. Then, then there's what they call the synthetic uh, performer, which is basically doesn't resemble any human on Earth, but they just make up an actor. They just create an actor from scratch using okay. using AI. With all of those, um, with those categories, basically, uh, with the exception of the synthetic one, where they don't need permission because they're obviously just creating something. Basically, the all the union got was you need to go get permission, right? You need to actually this needs to be part of the contract agreement between you. And the uh, actor, the performer. Okay. In other words, if they want to do it, the producers have to put it into the contract, and they have to uh, agree to it. And it can be anything. It, they didn't limit it. You know, like if you know if they if they basically in their contract they say, well, we're going to use this for sequels. We're going to use this for other things. They can do that. They didn't get any limitations on what they can ask for. They they just have to have to ask for it, and the actor has to agree. Um, and then for synthetic performers, they don't have to do anything really other than basically in good faith, as the contract says, go to the union, go, well, do you have a human who could do this? And it's like, no, they're not going to do that. They're, they're just not going to do that. And so basically they just have to go get permission. And so it's, they can use whatever they, whatever they, whatever they want to do. And that's, I think the most interesting thing about all of this, which is, really it came down to, I don't think the union really got anything here, but I don't know that they were asking for much. I don't even know if they knew what they were asking for. So it's, I think it's a fascinating thing. And so I don't know who won, but I don't think it was as handily as, you know, the producers want it right straight out and the actors want it straight out. I think again, very much like the writers, this was a low leverage union trying to get the best deal that they could. And they probably got the best deal that they could. Sounds like a big old waste of time. Yes, uh, well, that's honest, the from what again. They were it was a little bit with. like what John, yeah, what John Oliver said about the writer strike is like this kind of should have been settled like in a week. Like you know, this oh. you know, not sure what took so long. Um, you know, the everything here seems to be pretty much like yeah, we're just gonna we're just gonna do the best we can. You know, so there wasn't a lot of there's not a lot of big stuff in there other than the you know the pay raises. Well, the one thing, and you and I both talked about this a little bit on LinkedIn, but I think the the AI issue is huge mm. uh, because it's they're allowing it to happen. It has nothing to do with the residuals or the, in the agreements or whatever. That's fine. You know, they'll work those out in the details or they won't because they it really doesn't mean anything. So they're not going to work anything out. But the <laughs> most important thing is they got permission 
to say, yes, you can use AI right. in the movies. That's all they need. That's all the they needed to get. The 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 studios now can do whatever they want and it will change the face of Hollywood. And I don't think people are 100%. talking about this enough. Where you're gonna see, and I don't want to say a loss of jobs. I will just you'll you'll just see technology rain its force throughout the industry, and you're gonna see a lot of new positions and a lot of positions that are there right now just go away. I would imagine. You won't have a lot of on as many sets as you used to because you won't need to. You might need more developers than you used to have because you're going to have that manipulated more. It's almost like when CGI was then accepted and it went crazy and now CGI is in every movie. I think it's go- this is going to be that on steroids. I really believe. I think you're right. And, and, and what I would say even as a bigger impact is, and this is kind of the, you know, this is kind of where... If I was if if I was part of the rank and file membership, where I'd be a little, I would be a little peeved. Which is for the big stars, you know, your you know Julia Roberts or you know somebody like that, you know, big huge stars, Timothy Chalamet, you know, all these big stars. This isn't going to affect them at all. They'll negotiate that right out of their contract, right? They'll negotiate, you know, whatever they want, whatever they yep. think, right? Because if you want those big stars, you're going to have to play play ball. But for an up and coming actor actress, you know, performer, singer, et cetera. All of a sudden it's like, well, the deal is you get the starring role in this new streaming series, but we, we, you know, this is, you're going to sign, you're going to sign away everything to get it. And right. And so it's going to be lots and lots of, you know, fraught things. And then what I wrote about, actually, I wrote about this today and on my LinkedIn, which is, I think this is going to set a precedent and something that we have to pay attention to in product and service brands as well, because how long is it till we see a synthetic replica of, you know, an influencer or an employee? I mean, does this become part of employee contracts now, right? If you hire somebody in marketing, do you all of a sudden as part of your employment contract get like, Hey, Hey, we can use your digital replica to, speak on video. And by the way, that goes beyond the terms of your employment. What you're doing agreeing to is you're going to say nice things about our company through your digital replica forever, as soon as we hire you. And then conversely, for those that have some, you know, power in terms of employment, they can go to their, you know, sort of in, in the potential employer and say, I'm going to negotiate that out. I'm going to negotiate, uh, you know, or I'm going to negotiate a specific rate, or I'm going to negotiate a specific fee structure if you want to use my digital likeness or my digital replica in AI generated content, it's, it's going to get to be a really interesting uh, couple of years. Here. It'll, it'll it, be, it's going to be so interesting in an influencer agreement specifically, like you're saying, because I could say, Hey, I don't want, I'm not going to spend any time on this, but you can use my digital replica to do X, Y, and Z. I want approval on it, but go, you know, you have, yeah. you have rights to use my face and voice as an asset. And yeah, I, you know, it was six months, maybe like a year ago. I didn't think this kind of stuff was possible, but as I'm, as you're doing more in this area, as I'm doing more in this area, I'm learning how the technology is there and can very easily duplicate. Like it's so funny how I can read uh, a script for a minute or a minute and a half. And now I can have put my manuscript in there and the audio book is almost perfect. Yeah. It's, it's It's happening. Really scary. Literally it's present tense. I mean, I've come to an agreement with CMI. They have a technology now that's on all my blog posts on Content Marketing Institute. This is live literally as we speak, where you can go listen 
to my blog post on CMI and it's me. You, I mean, it's not me, it's AI and it's denoted as such. It's actually, there's a, there's a disclosure that it's such. Um, but it, I mean, if you know me, you would know that it's, you would kind of know that it's not me, but if you don't know me, it's, it's, it's not, pretty yeah, damn not, good. Not, that's a, not snarky enough. Like not, yeah. <laughs> not <laughs> well, no Cowboys the, references. It's like nothing. It's, yeah, nothing going it's on the here. it's the lack of cursing, probably. But you know, <laughs> yeah. But but the interesting thing, I mean, so CMI CMI and I went wide eyed into this, right? We went hand in hand. We agreed this is the way it's going to work. It's yeah. an experiment. Each one of us can turn it off. You know, blah blah blah. We basically, you know, we we looked at it as a joint thing. But some companies won't. I mean, some companies will be like, no, you're employed by us, and this is the way it's going to be. Yeah, it's going to get nasty. It's going to yeah, be interesting. Yeah. All right. Well, hey, should we, should, we pay yeah, some pay bills? Some bill. I yeah, guess let's so. pay a couple of bills right. here while, well, while, while we're at it. Yeah. Let's do this. All right. You know what time of year it is, folks. That's right. It's football season. Q4. It is time to close out another year of growth and prep for the next year of revenue. To bring in more business this Q4 and beyond, you need HubSpot's sales hub. With a smart prospecting workspace, deal management suite, and AI-powered apps, you can take total control of your operation to generate more leads and land more sales. And when you pair Sales Hub with HubSpot's smart CRM, your team will be on the same page across the entire customer journey. Leads won't slip through the cracks, and data is connected across marketing, sales, and operations so you can better measure your impact on the bottom line. Stop sticking to the same old strategies and start closing more deals because the best time to score is Q4. Make the switch to HubSpot Sales Hub at HubSpot.com slash sales. Let me tell you about this awesome podcast that I was recently turned on to. It's called Talking Too Loud, hosted by Chris Savage, Wistiest CEO and Loudest Talker, and is brought to you by the HubSpot Podcast Network, the audio destination for business professionals. This show gets into the minds of entrepreneurs as they share the hilarious, informative, and most challenging aspects of building more human brands. One of my favorite newer episodes is Chris's interview with my friend and fellow podcaster, Jay Akunzo. Together, he and Chris talk about how people can really be more heartfelt, incorporate more candor, and pull their little life moments into their brand and messaging. Check it out, won't you? It's Talking Too Loud, and you can find it wherever you catch your favorite pods. Let me tell you about StreamYard. Yeah, StreamYard. It's the easiest way to create content, and it's right in your browser. You can multi-stream to your social media platforms, host a weekly show with special guests, create webinars, record podcasts with local recordings, create videos, and so much more. I mean, you might even start a show with your friend, and 10 years later, here you are still doing the same darn thing. That's right, StreamYard makes it simple to get professional and polished content every single time. Joe and I have been using StreamYard for this old marketing and the YouTube channel, as well as live streaming to LinkedIn. We never knew how easy it could actually be. Just go to StreamYard.com slash The Tilt and receive a lifetime, that's right, a lifetime discount. I always have to wait for that last thing because I want to hear the. (laughs) If only people could watch that. For some reason, that StreamYard ad, you you and I are just digging it. 
When I heard that song, I was like, I got to use this. I love it. It's much better than me just just talking through. Yeah. Here's another this old marketing advertisement <laughs> from Joe Pulitzer. Hopefully the sponsors. Voice. Hopefully the sponsors appreciate it. The the uh, yeah, audio the, the, the little extra that Robert Rose little puts extra. into this. this uh, you because you you recorded all three of those while you were watching the Cowboys game, which I thought took a lot of talent. Yeah, you, I mean it, the whole it, multitasking it, thing is a right. thing. That's right. It's 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 a it's a passion, really. It's, it's amazing. It's, it's it's truly a passion. You're amazing. All right. <laughs> All right. Let's move on to our next story here, which is now OpenAI announcing that custom GPTs are here. This uh, article coming to us courtesy of The Verge. Um, but really, it was the uh, developers conference, OpenAI's first ever developers conference. And the article opens up by saying the GPT platform is a no code way to make custom AI agents for all sorts of tasks. And it's available exclusively for chat GPT plus subscribers. That's not an ad at all. Okay. The article opens by saying, with the release of ChatGPT one year ago, OpenAI introduced the world to the idea of an AI chatbot that can seemingly do anything. Now the company is releasing a platform for making custom versions of ChatGPT for specific use cases, no coding required. In the coming weeks, these AI agents, which OpenAI is calling GPTs, will be accessible through the GPT store. Uh, details about how the store will look and work are scarce for now, but OpenAI is promising to eventually pay creators for an unspecified amount based on how much their GPTs are used. They'll be available to paying ChatGPT Plus subscribers and OpenAI enterprise customers who can make internal-only GPTs for their employees. This was announced at uh, OpenAI's first developers conference. Um, that was the big news coming out of the event. There was a couple of other announcements that they had, the 100 million, I think, weekly now users of ChatGPT, which is unbelievable. Jeez. Yeah. Um, but yeah, what do you think? You've have, I mean, I've played around with it. I've built two so far, but uh, what do you think? Well, there were a number of developers out there when this was released that just audibly gasped and you could hear it around the world. They were working yeah. on all these things and oh my God, they just opened this up to everybody. Frankly, brilliant. Brilliant from our, yeah. I can't, I can't even imagine how many more subscribers that they're going to get off of this because mm. you need to get the premium version mm. to do all these things. Absolutely amazing. And, and we're talking about this like it's no big deal, which right. is, I have, I, I keep looking at like, what am I going to feel like in 12 months when all these, these custom GPTs, totally. first of yeah. all, the, the fact that they're calling them GPTs is this right into open AI and Microsoft's arms. Everybody's just giving it a big old hug. Um, this is, it's, I, I'm, I'm continually amazed by what they're able to do from a marketing standpoint. And I'm continually scared for the rest of my life and the future of the world. Cause I don't know what's going to happen. So, yeah, sorry to be negative about it, but no, I, no, no. It's well, it's, like it's, it's well. You you were playing with it because you've created a new language. I did. Yours. Well, I didn't create a new language. I I basically provide. So okay, here <laughs> here was here's the story. Basically, uh, I I wanted to get into this right away, and so I got in, and it took me a few days before I had access. Got access to it, um, and then immediately started trying to build. And I my my first intention was to build what I was going to roughly call a content marketing companion, right? So I was going to upload all the books, experiences, uh, my newest book, all the scripts from my class, um, which is, there's a lot there. There's, you know, 12 hours worth of, of, of scripts and basically create a custom knowledge base for answering content marketing strategy questions, right? So you, you know, so, and look at it. 
Well, it there's bugs, there's outages. Um, going if you go into the dev, dev thing, it's like you know the the documentation says you can upload up to you know twenty five documents, but you can't because it fails anytime after ten documents. They also say that you can upload like you know really long documents, you know like really super you know like ten megabyte or twenty five megabyte text files. Um, you can do that, but the problem then is that it you know it makes the ensuing GPT really slow, um, and so there's all sorts of like weird things with it. So I got a little frustrated with it. Um, and honestly, it's, I, I'm, I'm going to wait until they sort of work out some of these bugs to sort of finish what I was doing with it. Um, and so basically then I, I uploaded and built my own Klingon, uh, language tutor. <laughs> so unbelievable. So with your, with your Klingon, uh, language processor yeah, and all the learnings, uh, <laughs> Do you think <laughs> you think this is really going to be a big deal? I do. I, I think you know. I actually write a bit my for my article and for CMI this week. I actually wrote a little bit about it. I said I don't think anything like my little content marketing companion or the Klingon language. That's not going to be. Those are going to be like eh, who cares about those stuff? That's there's those are going to be like silly. The real interesting ones are going to be internal applications. I think that leverage big mountains of custom data or things that are agents, right? So the other thing that it can do that we didn't talk about yet is that it can send an email. It can integrate with like Canva. It can, it can integrate yeah. with like, uh, you know, uh, Zapier for, you know, if then statements. And so once it starts to have agency and it can do things like, you know, browse the web, go out and do research, send an email, blah, blah, blah. Now we're starting to talk about some interesting things that can really happen, but that's that takes a different level of skill. It's not... You know, so there's no like no code interface for that. You have to actually know some stuff to do that, right? So it's it's it'll be really interesting to see what comes out of it. But the most interesting stuff won't be from guys like me. Yeah, I think you're right on the internal standpoint. Just think about the amount of wisdom that's lost with when you lose some employees or they move on or whatever. Yeah. I'm wondering if there's a way to continue to use something like this. It's almost like I feel when these things are created, you as an employee, as you learn things, you're going to have to continually upload things into the intranet as we as we know it. And it right. will feed this knowledge base where and it can just pull up all these things as you go. I, I can't even imagine the applications for this. As I know that. Well, that's that, that's ultimately the point of my article, which is we don't know yet. We don't we don't even know what's possible yet because somebody's going to come along that's super creative and do some really interesting things with this stuff. So it's going to be it's it's going to be truly be fascinating. Now here we go. Yeah. So this episode's already going to be the most screwed up time that we've ever seen in marketing. <laughs> and how exciting is it? It's so exciting. <laughs> I can't wait. <laughs> All right, let's move on to our next story here, which is also about AI. Uh, and it comes to us courtesy of uh, NBC, WNBC. Yeah. Um, basically, NBC News. Uh, the headline here is that Meta now will require political advertisers to disclose when they use AI. Starting next year, that's of course an election year here in the US, advertisers on Facebook and Instagram will have to say during the buying process whether they're going to use media that was digitally created or altered. Uh, Meta said Wednesday it would begin forcing political advertisers to disclose whether they used altered or digitally created media, such as deep fake videos of a candidate, 
as the tech industry braces for a wave of video and images. I'm just sorry that they said that with a straight face, which is is so amazing to me. Anyway, whether videos of a candidate as the tech industry braces for the wave of video images and audio made with artificial intelligence ahead of the 2024 election. Meta, which owns Facebook and Instagram, said in a blog post that it would require advertisers to disclose during the ad buying process whenever a social issue, electoral or political ad contains a photorealistic image or video or realistic sounding audio that was digitally created or altered. So yeah, I definitely have a take on this. What do you, what do you think? Well, I think that that, that will be on almost every ad and they'll be, it'll, we'll get used to it. Like we get used to accept all cookies. Sure. Right. So that's going to happen. Um, we were talking like the about actors, the, right? It's like, yeah, it's ex- like all they, all they said is you got to get permission. You know, it's like, the, it's, you know, it's, this is actually very similar to our conversation on the, the actor strike. Yeah. Uh, the, the, it's not the fact Okay, we look at it on on the surface and we say this is a this is really good that Meta is doing this. This is a good thing. We need to make sure that people are aware that this is being done. But the big story is is they're allowing it. That's right. They're absolutely allowing it and that means it's just going to go absolutely crazy nuts where you're going to see it everywhere right. because they're not going to ban its use. And I'm not saying and I don't know what the right answer is. I'm assuming this may be close to the right answer. But again, you're just going to say, okay, more of the same, more approval. And here every week as we cover these AI stories, again, this is approved. This is approved. This is approved. And we are going to get to a point where it's 95, 96, 97% manipulated content. Yep. Or AI influenced content. I don't want to say manipulated, but I don't well, know. Well, it's I mean, right. As I'm reading the rules, it, if I want to, if I'm, you know, if I'm one of the political campaigns and I want to deep fake a video of my opponent riding on a unicorn, you know, drinking liquor, you know, I mean, you know, basically doing very untoward things to everybody. That's okay. Well, is it, I mean, is, doesn't that, that as long as I disclose it, as long as I go, yeah, this is deep. Well, yeah, it says, well, it says, okay. Uh, it said advertise will apply to the advertising policy will reply to situations such as depicting a real person as saying or doing something they did not say or do. That right. is banned. But if they're in a crazy situation, maybe that, sure. I don't know. Is I mean, that borderline? Well, the way that, I mean, think of all the political ads you've seen in your lifetime, right? They're actually them saying things, but they pull it out of context yeah. and they pull it, you know, they pull one sentence from a speech and then they put weird images behind you and stuff like that. It's easy enough to take a speech out of context or reorder the sentences in a way that basically, you know, could get around the, and, and the other thing is like, or what, right. You know, in other words, if they do it, the, the, you know, cause later on the article, you know, basically says, well, if they do it repeatedly, they might be banned from the platform. It's like, uh, uh-huh, okay. Yeah, I, I'm sure they will. You know? They're just going to keep poking yeah. at it. It's yeah, okay, exactly. that one that one got rejected. Let's try this version. Okay, that one got rejected. Let's try that. Oh, this one worked. Okay, more like that. Let's right. Well, not, they're not even saying that. It's just like if you don't disclose it, right? If you do an ad that was digitally altered and then you get caught, then it's like, okay, well, then I guess it's, I guess you have one strike, right? And then what happens, right? Well, then you have two strikes, then you have three, how many strikes until the, you know, the, the article's very unclear about what actually happens. It's, it's meta. You get unlimited yeah, strikes. Exactly. Right? Yeah. Zuckerberg gives yeah. unlimited, whatever. He got unlimited. It's- it's 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 going to get this this election season is going to be insane. I don't want to be in the country for this. I think I should go somewhere else. I should go somewhere. I really do. Th- I mean, 
I, I, I would like to say the full six month period before the election, but I have to be realistic. I'm not, that's not going to happen. I'm going to be in summer in Northeast Ohio. So I have yeah. to deal with this, but October, November, I, I think I'm, I'm going to be away. We yeah. might have to, this old marketing might go on hiatus for a while. All right. Well, on, recording on weird time zones. Well, there, there is, so there's hope. There is hope for you, okay. my friend, All right. because hope. the next story that we can cover really quickly here comes to us courtesy of the Wall Street Journal. And it says, basically, can Congress save Mr. Beast and Tom Hanks from AI deepfakes? The dangers to both movie stars and ordinary people are growing as AI-fueled deepfake technology becomes more readily available, say the experts. Some TikTok users recently encountered an ad, the article opens up and says, which the YouTube star known as Mr. Beast, your favorite, uh, oh. appeared to offer 10,000 new iPhones for just $2 each. The deal sounded too good to be true, and it was. Uh, Mr. Beast last month joined film star Tom Hanks and CBS anchor Gail King and a growing cohort of celebrities who say scammers have made unauthorized use of their likenesses in convincing AI generated deepfakes, ads, hawking phones, fake dental plans, and dubious weight loss solutions. Are social media platforms ready to handle the rise of AI deepfakes? Well, this is a serious problem, wrote Mr. Beast. <laughs> I love how there's no punctuation in Mr. Beast. It's just MR Beast. It's just Mr. Beast, uh, whose real name is Jimmy Donaldson. The period's yeah. unnecessary. I guess so. Yes. I guess so. So so maybe there's legislation coming. There's Maybe they're going to pull out legislation in our very functional Congress at the moment here, which can't even decide this, if they're going to keep the government open. But yet, maybe they'll do legislation. Are we hopeful? <laughs> I didn't even want to cover this. <laughs> Specifically because as we are communicating, uh, the yeah. government is about to shut down again. They just keep kicking the can down the road. As they have done, they can't get a budget. So... There's no way that they're going to get enough votes yeah. or or focus on this issue for anything to happen. Certainly not to, in the next not in the next year, I would think. Yeah, it, it, I really think that it comes down to uh, Microsoft, Meta, Apple, uh, TikTok. God help yeah. us all. Twenty nine billion dollars TikTok made this last quarter. Did you see that? I did. Yeah, <laughs> I did. Joe is sad, they're, ladies and gentlemen. Joe is they're sad. The, they're the best algorithm in the business. Uh, nobody will <laughs> deny it. Uh, I I think they yeah. all those pro big private multi-billion dollar companies have to get to a point and say everything's got to be a verified account. Yeah, everything has to be a verified account. And if you will fix a lot, if you force verified accounts, you will also fix the minor issue. If you get verified accounts where you have to have a government ID, I mean, I know it still can be bypassed, but it's a lot more difficult if you say everyone has to have a government ID, another form of identification yeah. to get an account. It's going to be very hard for this whole Tom Hanks thing. Uh, I, I don't know if that would have been. I mean, somebody can take Tom underscore Hanks, but it won't have the blue check mark. It won't have, there. You can buy that stuff right now. Right. So. Uh, Let's let's get let's get beyond that. Make verification on the platform just a thing. If that means your plat that all those platforms are paid now, then they're paid. Yeah, that's right. And that's the price of doing. But we knew we were going to head this direction anyways, and here we're at the time that has to happen, just for for safety purposes. Yeah, yeah. So there we go. Well, there you go. All there right, go. last story before we get to our rants and raves section, everybody, and it is about YouTube, and it's not 
about AI. So let's uh, love that for a moment. How did um, this story this get through? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> this is Joe's story. Yeah. Um, anyway, it comes courtesy of Morning Brew. Uh, and the story is that YouTube has everyone frantically deleting their ad blockers. YouTube is expanding its use of technology that detects ad blockers. I'm going to bet you that's AI at its core. Anyway, one privacy advocate <laughs> calls it spyware. Uh, basically, the article opens up by saying, following YouTube's global crackdown on ad blockers, users are uninstalling the programs like they're using the Splitwise app after a particularly harrowing bachelorette party. Uh, but he was real. He was he was really who's the writer on this thing? <laughs> it's like, oh, it's Cassandra. No. OK. Cassandra's very particularly. Uh, anyway, the company started restricting ad blockers earlier this year as a small experiment. It later confirmed to The Verge that it's expanding the initiative, hoping to motivate users to watch ads or cough up 14 monthly dollars for their YouTube premium. That led users to delete their ad blocking apps faster than Mr. Beast got trolled for making a video of himself building wells in Africa. She's really going Jeez, for it here. That's, uh, that's, a Wired that's report intense. found users are installing and uninstalling different ad blockers at a record rate as they try and find one that YouTube can't detect. AdGuard, one of the biggest players in the ad blocking market, told Wired that it typically sees 6,000 daily uninstalls. But since the crackdown, it's seen 11,000 on average with a one-day high of 52,000 on October 18th. Meanwhile, privacy advocates are arguing that YouTube can't block you from blocking it. Basically, uh, Alexander Hanf filed a complaint last night or last month, rather, with the Irish Data Protection Commission, alleging that YouTube's detection of ad blockers flouts EU digital privacy law. YouTube argues that using ad blockers on the site violates its terms of service and that creators rely on ad views to monetize their content. I can see both sides of the equation here, but I would love to get your take on this. Uh, finally, YouTube can do this because they have the technology to do it. And I think you're right. I think AI is playing a hand in this whole thing and it's it's brilliant and i can't imagine the amount of increased revenue opportunities because of this because they're yep. getting they're going to get it either way they're going to be able to now show their ads so get paid that way or you're going to get a lot of these people that had the ad blockers that literally cannot stand the ads they cannot stomach it i have people right. in my family that cannot stomach watching an ad will not do it so they'll end up paying for the premium version and you're seeing the same things happen with uh, Facebook is doing the same thing in the UK sure. right now, trying yep. this in, in Europe. So I think that it's brilliant. And I think that we have, we we're seeing the last remnants of, of the ad blockers because, because the technology is there now that it, the YouTubes and the Facebooks of the world can deal with it. So there we are. Yeah. I think they finally caught up basically. Yep. They've, they have finally caught up and this is, and by the way, this is not, you know, so it's, it's, it's here at YouTube, but it's coming to, you know, coming soon to a platform near all your platforms, yep. right. Where you're using. You better just get ready to pay the piper. Yeah. Nothing That's we right. can do about it. And I, and, and by the way, I don't have a problem with it. It's YouTube's business model. It's their, per, yeah. if you're on YouTube's right. platform, they, it's their prerogative to do whatever they want. Well, to. If you so want you honestly can't complain about it. No, if you want creators to have independent voices and you want to have the ability to, you know, that's the way they make their living, right? It's the, you know, going back to your Mr. Beast, you know, that's, that's it, right? That's the way Mr. Beast makes his dough is, is, you know, I mean, correct me if I'm wrong, but my, my understanding is, is that his YouTube channel is how he makes his In, living. Initially, I mean, initially yeah. for, for the first many years, that was the way. Yeah. And now he's making most of his money on Feastables, I believe, his, his candy candy bar line oh gotcha uh, okay yeah right. so so there you go yeah i mean that's that's what we want creators to do right if you're going to start on rented land you got to figure out a way to 
create uh, assets off off the the YouTubes and the metas of the world. And Mr. Beast has done a great job at that. But you're right. I mean, uh, he initially and still does get a hefty yeah. paycheck with his 175 million. Right. Something I mean, like that followers or subscribers. It's a viable it's business model. It's an absolutely viable business model. Totally and, crazy. You know, and if you like independent creators, you need to support it in a way. And so, yeah, you know, I know it's distasteful to look at ads and stuff, but you know, it also helps, you know, well, you can buy, helps. you can buy Hulu, no ads. Right. Or you can, you can buy anything. Or, yeah, <laughs> you can buy everything. No ads. ads. Right. Yeah. Anything you, you want anything. to. Right. You do. Yeah. That's the difference too. Today, you do. Let's say five years ago, you didn't have the option. Now you absolutely have the option to buy the premium version, and and everybody's happy. Right? That's right. Then you're That's out. Right. You're out more money. Yep. So, there you go. Hundred percent. Hundred percent. All right, ladies and gentlemen, it's now time for your favorite part of the show. It is our rants and rave section, where Joe and I go off on a little bit of a rant or a little bit of a rave over something that makes us feel like, oh, we've got a two-step plan for government funding or a one-step plan for government funding. <laughs> you think? By the way, qu- quick side note. You think? You think this gets solved before Saturday? I mean, because Saturday's it, right? I mean, it's you think this, you, or you think we're shutting down? I okay. I think we're going. I think they got it solved. I think they got it solved, and I think Hakeem Jeffries is going to bring some Democrats around and give, uh, and, and and totally. By the way, it's a it's sort of a backhanded cooperation. There's like this weird backhanded cop cooperation where I think he's going to bring some Democrats to vote for this thing and get it passed, despite the protestations of the you know sort of the the freedom caucus or whatever they're called. Um, and it's basically going to put the new speaker in a real hole because basically the last time that, you know, the, that this was done, the, the speaker got fired when, a, yeah. when he got democratic support for a bill. So it's, it's a very weird situation. Well, the, the, the they'll, they'll come up with something, but yeah. it's going to be a short term plan that'll get to January or February. Well, that's the two term, the two phase plan or whatever, yeah. right? I mean, it's, it's for, yeah. the, 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 who's the new speaker of the house, Mike Johnson or something. That's right. So uh, the, all I saw this week is that Mike Johnson came out <laughs> so that, that the election was a fraud. Yes. And again, came out supporting uh, former president Trump. That's uh, right. So I don't, I, I don't have a lot of faith in, in that gentleman yeah. uh, because yeah. how could, how could you, I know yeah. no offense to people that, that like the guy, but no, no, I don't get it. I don't, uh, I don't get it. That's why, Hey, you can vote for whoever you want. No, that, that, that is true. That is true. It, but I don't All see right. a lot getting done. All right. Uh, you so want me to go got, first? Uh, I go first. You can go first. It doesn't matter. Doesn't I'll, matter. I'll go. I got two okay, quick ones. Go. So, okay. So yes, uh, if you've been paying attention, ESPN bet is now a thing. It has it has come into formation from the whole uh, dismantling of of Penn National leaving Barstool and now moving over and putting all their two billion dollar plus deal into ESPN. So mm. I have two quick comments on this. One is inc- it's going to be incredibly profitable for Penn and ESPN. I believe I don't know how many hundreds of millions of fantasy sports people that ESPN already has. Um, those people are probably already on DraftKings or FanDuel or whatever doing their thing, but this is going to work really, really well. Um, so kudos from the business model standpoint, but my heart hurts for the fact that this Disney owned yeah. brand is going to have, and I know they already do. Cause I think you can on some Disney cruise ships, I think they do have casinos. Yeah, they do. So it is a thing. But that's different than this. This is going to be a tectonic shift move 
in, into getting more young people and more people that don't have the where the means, financial means to do this, uh, mm-hmm. addicted to gambling. I, I'm I've been seeing it a lot. It's concerning to me, and I didn't want a company like Disney to get behind it. And here they are. Yeah, um, I knew this was happening, but this is the official launch of the whole thing. So, anyways, my commentary is I'm sad about this, and I really do believe that one of the biggest ongoing issues that we're going to have in the United States is, is, is a gambling problem more than anything else that we're dealing with right now. And that's saying something. So that's my first thing. Um, the second thing, I just wanted to give a little, little, uh, a snap, two snaps up to Evan Spiegel <laughs> over at snap. I read an article and right. I read an article in the information that, you know, they've been struggling a little bit. They're trying to, to find their, their new mojo, if you will. And he's in the office and he's been making rounds every day, talking to people, saying hi, like in-person rounds. Now, you, I know he wants to motivate the troops and that's the way he's doing it. But I've been in a lot of corporate environments and the ones there, the CEO goes around and talks to the people always seem to be high performing companies. And I really like the fact that Evan Spiegel is, is making taking the time, even if that's all he did, yeah. taking the time to go talk to employees and see how they're doing and get them motivated and say, here we are. And I just I saw that and I just had to throw out a big kudos uh, for Evan Spiegel. So I think they're go. running a pretty good little business over there. I, you know, I. I know they. I like Pinterest. I like but... Pint- I like Snap, and I like Pinterest. Yeah, I really do. I, I, they're not. There's not going to be the TikTok and the YouTube. No, they're, they're not going to be these big the behemoths. Yeah. but they're going to yeah. be. Uh, what's amazing is, and if you have kids, you know that that when people say they message each other, they use Snap. That's right. Like they're not. You. They're they're using Snap to do that, and I didn't realize that they say, "Oh, I'll text you," or that. Uh, text message. All that is Snap. It's not like really text. So it's interesting. They've got a lot of users there. It's going to be interesting to see how they continue to monetize that. Indeed. So. Yeah. Absolutely. What do you What do you got? I want to hear your Mister right. Ritson. Well, here, so here, well, here it is. Here it is. So for those of you who don't know, Mark Ritson is uh, he's a columnist, a teacher, thought leader, marketing guy. He's been around for a long, long time, um, and he's English um, and uh, works for Marketing Week, which is their big, the UK's big uh, marketing magazine. Um, and he wrote an article. Um, I read his stuff every time it comes out. And as Joe very nicely pointed out, mostly I disagree with it. Um, a, a lot of it, um, you know, and, you know, he's derided content marketing before and he's, you know, he's said some silly things and he's, he's a guy who likes to basically ruffle feathers. So there's that, right. There's that, that whole thing, but he wrote an article, uh, an opinion piece, um, and the headline is effective ignorance has left American marketing lagging behind the rest of the world. Um, And he makes the point, it's basically an essay where he goes to some length to introduce, and I'll let you read the article and make up your own mind, but basically he he goes to some length to say how much he loves America, how much he loves the being here and he loves baseball. Uh, and he talks about his, you know, his fondness for all things American. Um, and basically he is deriding the fact that Americans have lost their way when it comes to marketing and marketing effectiveness. And because we've gotten wrapped around the axle of so many different things in his mind, um, to basically, uh, you know, from everything from social media to uh, not figuring out, you know, what what matters in terms of value, where, you know, where. And so he's talking about the idea that 
the ignorance that we have for what is really moving the business needle when it comes to marketing is in many ways because throwing our businesses, our American businesses to be off, you know, global pace, as he says. And basically he's, you know, he says, I'm struck by how much money and time American teams spend on stuff other than understanding marketing properly. Their obsession with multiple pointless tech stacks, ESG, all kinds of things other than marketing. Uh, and basically, you know, talking about how many of the great American marketers that he knows are, have now moved off of marketing because they have such distaste for what modern marketing has become that they basically don't want to, they don't want to do it anymore. And, and so, and he notes that there are some uh, exceptions, McDonald's and P&G, he, he calls out specifically. But basically, it's a call to action. As he ends the article, he says, look, stop making excuses. Open up your minds. Learn about effectiveness. Suck, as he says, suck at the F up um, and uh, get better at marketing again. We miss you. And I, this time, I, I have to say I'm 100% in agreement uh, with him. I, I'm, I'm right there with him. Um, and I appreciate very much the, the, the poke. Um, as it were, to American marketers, because I, I, I think I, I agree. You know, I, I, some of the most interesting, innovative strategies that I've seen coming out of marketing these days are coming out of Europe, um, and they're coming out. You know, the Dutch. Um, they're coming out of. Um, they're they're coming out of Eastern Europe in some cases. They're coming out of the UK. They're coming out of uh, uh, you know all sorts of places that aren't the US, and so. I think there's, I think there's so much room for us to sort of get our, you know, what together, um, and and really start to focus in and hone in on what marketing's role really is in the business strategy. Um, and I appreciated very much his. So it's really a rave more than anything else, you know. So most times I disagree with what Ritson says, but this time, I, I think it's, I think it's, it's, it's a really good poke in the, you know, poke in the face. Yeah, I so. read, I, I read it. What I, what I thought of. Uh, which is a, a little bit uh, on, on on base with what the, where this is going. I did a presentation at Marketing Profs a month or so ago, mm. and one of my content marketing forgotten strategies was was print, was targeted print distribution. And I asked the room, I said, how many of you actually have print as part of your marketing program? I had one hand in 250 people. Yeah. One hand in 250 people. You go to anywhere in Europe, You'll never see that. You almost always see print as some portion of that integrated marketing strategy. Sure. And that's where I think to your point and to Mark's point is, is like we ran it everything digital and we said, ah, everything else is old school. But the fact is, is that some of these things really work and they've worked well for a long time. But we went through the, you know, went, went to the disco ball of marketing, if you will. And I'm just using print as an example. There's a lot of other things that. You know, it's funny when you talk about your consulting practice and talk to some of your clients and most of the time, a lot of your advice is not implemented, yeah. even though it's really good it, advice because we're chasing other things that aren't necessarily effective marketing. We're so, you know, the frustration that I share that Ritson points out, he doesn't ever say this, but this is me speaking. The frustration that I see is this satisfaction with average, right? Which is and it's not even really a satisfaction it's sort of a it's sort of a you know capitulation to to average right you know it's sort of like you know we just don't have and and i told the story i told the story in another in another setting but basically it, it, it this is a real story where i was working with a company and they were having this big brainstorming meeting about this really cool project that they want to do big initiative big campaign big 
creative out of the box idea you know included all kinds of different kinds of channels for for the content and all that kind of stuff and then basically they came in and said we can never do it right it's too big it'll take too long the investment's over two quarters we can't show yeah. that that an investment over two quarters we have to show results this quarter and then literally a vp came in at some point and said hey can't we and half jokingly it was half jokingly because they actually did do this but half jokingly said can't we just run this through chat gpt and get the 70 percent, you know version of it and somebody oh, said yeah geez. let's try that and it's like that's where we are these days we're sort of you know acquiescing to this 70 percent version or the 60 percent version of these cool interesting creative thinking ideas because we're trying to just keep average yeah. we're just trying to not fall below the bell curve and that's to me a lack of creativity it's a lack of innovation and it's a lack of uh basically intestinal fortitude right so well, that's, i would also that's call it the i would also say it's the, the check the box mentality. yeah exactly that's exactly check, right. we're doing that we're on social right. we're on we're doing marketing it's the we blog. did the thing yep we're and producing like, 14 pieces of content per month it's yeah. good fine you know buh, buh, buh. leads are good we're growing three percent per year let's go home right yeah that's that's the that's when you get out the like, like okay the value of the New York Times is not based off the amount of content they create. That's right. It is in the value of the audience and the relationships with that audience. So anyway, so yeah, we'll yeah, stop. Oh, I'm, I'm, it's nice that you agree with Mister Ritson. Yeah, you there you go. Him, yeah. you I mean, I'm sure he'll say something. I'm sure he'll say something completely ridiculous in the future, and I'll have a chance to disagree with him again. But it was well, nice he, to actually. Mark's got a great role because Mark can say whatever he wants in that that's right. column. Uh, he's, and, yes. And he loves that. So that's good, right. good for Mr. Ritson. That's so. right. It, he, he's, he's well suited for his position. That's exactly right. So I know uh, we'll be recording a little bit early because we got the the Thanksgiving, Thanksgiving. U.S. holiday yeah. coming up, but uh, we want to wish everyone a, a happy Thanksgiving. You are very grateful for you as as uh, listeners or watchers of our program. Are you doing anything special for for Thanksgiving? Uh, well, I will meet a little early next week for you and I to do a show for for yep. all of that. But no, we're gonna. This is gonna be a. This is gonna be like the classic like do nothing, you know, Thanksgiving where we're just gonna stay home. We're just, you know, keeping it really quiet and just have a, a, a nice, And then you've got football, time. obviously. Well, there's football. Yeah, there's you football, always have football. Of there's always football, which I don't often get to see, I will tell you. It's the one bone I have to pick with my beautiful wife is that this is the one time of year she's like, every other time of year, she's like, oh, of course, the game's on. Yes, go do your thing, you know, blah, 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 blah. But she likes to eat Thanksgiving dinner at four o'clock. And the game's not done at four o'clock typically. Oh yeah, like, you, it would start at one o'clock your time, right? Sure. Is and that, she's yeah. like, and she's like, suck it up, Buttercup. Right? It's the, the you know, oh, you're gonna have man. Thanksgiving dinner. And it's what like, about five o'clock this year? Can well, you, can no, no, no. That? It doesn't. It doesn't work that way. So, it, you know, you know, you know the drill. You know how this, <laughs> you know how these things work. Yeah. yeah. Exactly. So. All right. Well, enjoy. Yeah. Uh, and and happy Thanksgiving to to all to all and we'll we'll see you next week and you know we will see you next week and it's going to be a fantastic week and so from the road here until we see you next week just remember everybody it is your story to tell tell it well we'll see you next week thanksgiving week on this old marketing 